Contend for the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. In times of spiritual and moral chaos, it can be hard to discern truth from error and to apply it to all of life. God's word is not silent, and we don't have to be either. This is Once for All Delivered with Caleb Castro and Andrew Smith. Hey, Caleb. Hey, Andrew. The papacy is so back, is so back. That's right. (laughs) That man, uh, what is it? Antichrist? The the Antichrist Antichrist. and man, I don't have it in front of me this time, but that Antichrist and man of sin and who, you know, sets himself against all that is God as the unamended uh, Westminster Confession once said. So uh, we were coming here today... It's been a couple weeks since we recorded our original material on the papacy, and then so much has happened. We were here coming here today, and we were going to talk about the devil and worship of the devil, but instead we're uh, going to talk about the papacy again, for at least for a little what's bit. What's the difference? Really, what's the oh. difference? But, but, but I repeat myself. <laughs> I get it. (laughs) Caleb, what's happened since we first recorded about the papacy a couple weeks ago? Um, You know what? I, since we first recorded it a couple weeks ago, I can't entirely remember where we even left off. Were we talking about the transgender stuff yet? We had, right? Because that was after Thanksgiving. Yeah, we, we, we did all that. We thought we were done. Yeah, that's right. We, we talked about transgender blessings. Oh, I know where we were. So, yeah, I think right after we recorded that then... It was like a day or two. It was very quickly. Yeah, we were already talking about the backlash with, with what's his name, Cardinal Burke. So right after that, the Pope makes an announcement that uh, he'll be blessing homosexual marriages. Or rather that yep. same-sex relationships, because the, the Roman Catholic Church says that they don't regard a relationship or a union between people of the same sex to be a marriage because that's something defined as a sacrament uh, in their system uh, that applies only to the bond uh, between a man and wife, at least for now. Unless they do, because we'll get to that in a second. I've actually got at least one example where it seems like Maybe it don't. Oh, I'm I'm ready. I I came prepared with examples. Don't you worry. I think we're yeah. gonna, we're going to easily so, cover uh, enough material with this. Got some stuff from James Martin, S. Gay. I mean, oh, did I say that? You know what? The um, we didn't uh, we didn't do any show notes. We didn't do any outlines for this. Uh, so this is I, I suppose you could say more raw and organic and or organic um or whatever yeah. this is. But the uh. Unhinged. Yeah, uncensored. I don't know. Well, that's a Heidi's four. But uh, no, so this means that we didn't have an entirely natural starting place. Um, But I do have something that you might find interesting. So have you read the article on First Things yet? Well, which one's that? I I don't think I have. Well, all right. Yeah. So Dan Hitchens, The Pope and the Black Hole. Dan Hitchens is uh, a senior editor. Uh, he's one of the senior editors at First Things. First Things is a 
it's a periodical. It's run by Roman Catholics. Occasionally, though, they'll let some Protestant writers come in. Uh, Carl Truman has written for it a couple times. Yeah. But they'll do uh, comments on usually uh, social matters. They're written by academics, but not always necessarily at an academic level. So, the Pope in the Black Hole from Dan Hitchens, he released this two days ago uh, from time of recording, December 19th. The Pope has now said that uh, Roman Catholic priests can bless same-sex couples. He released this in a papal decretal or a, uh, basically a missive, a church missive, a, cert- a church letter, making it official uh, teaching. It was called uh, Fiducia Supplicans. The... Um, Concept was basically saying that priests may now bless these same-sex unions on the basis of being merciful, showing love, and demonstrating the love of God to people, even though they're they're in sin. We'll get some comments on that later. The concept uh, is is uh, supplicating trust, trying to bridge uh, this gap between these you know modern notions and and relationships that have not historically been permitted by the church. By the church, I mean all churches, not to, not Rome, but Rome's been a big big uh, person pushing against it for a long time. They've always been regarded as something of like a defender of marriage. So Francis to come and issue a missive saying, hey, priests can bless these relationships. It's a huge thing. But the problem, if Andrew, you want to take over on this part here. The problem is the Pope released a previous missive two years ago in 2021. Yeah, I'm catching up. Oh, sorry. I didn't know if you already had that. So yeah, and that missive, he had just two years ago said that the... The, the opposite. exact opposite is the uh, yeah. uh, is the church's teaching. Yeah, it's all coming back to me now. Yeah, it wasn't that long ago that uh, our very same Pope Francis, not our, he ain't our Pope, <laughs> but the Pope there is, the, the best Pope in the world. The well, I don't pope. know, I mean, you look at some of those set of vacantist guys, and I mean, they're at least more entertaining, I think. That's a whole other can of worms we could open. There are actually still today, I mean, rival claims to the papacy, and you got guys like in like Oklahoma and Pennsylvania and whatever that live in their parents' basement and claim to be the Pope. Oh boy! But <laughs> but anyway, uh, before we before we get completely off track here, yeah. So what what do you have here? You have rival encyclicals saying contradictory things issued by the same Pope. Well, that's not gonna help your case for infallible papal authority i I just would also add another thing because you you made the remark that you know rome has kind of been known as these defenders of marriage and you can even hear like the protestants that have swum the tiber uh and become roman catholic one of the reasons they'll sometimes give is well the catholic church has maintained consistency and orthodoxy on social teaching and it's like yeah Hmm. But they haven't. Mm-hmm. And we see that here. I mean, just two years after Francis did an encyclical on the same subject, he does another one, which seems contradictory. Of course, even this one, the one just released, seems to at least pose a possible contradiction even internally with itself. Because on the one hand, it's not marriage. It's not giving the sacrament of marriage, because the Roman Catholics believe marriage is a sacrament to same-sex couples. 
And yet all the people who seem to want same-sex marriage in the church are really excited about this, and they're hailing this as a big victory. But then you still have the conservatives on the other side, and they're coping in the way that they cope. Say, well, it's not marriage, so it's still okay. Maybe. We'll see. The statement that that the Vatican did two years ago was uh, called the... uh Responsum of the Congregation for the Doctrine of Faith to a dubium regarding the blessing of the unions of persons of the same sex issued March 15, 2021. The question proposed was, does the church note the question? Does the church have the power to give the blessing to unions of persons of the same sex? Response negative. They then give an explanatory note, which just to uh, state in brief. So in some ecclesiastical context, plans and proposals for blessings of unions of persons of the same sex are being advanced. Such projects are not infrequently motivated by a sincere desire to welcome and accompany homosexual persons to whom are proposed paths of growth in faith, so exactly what Francis is doing now, so that those who manifest a homosexual orientation can receive the assistance they need to understand and fully carry out God's will in their lives, which is basically what the reason for the current declaration. Further down it says, It is not licit to impart a blessing on relationships or partnerships, uh, even stable, that involve sexual activity outside of marriage, that is outside the indissoluble union of a man and woman, open in itself to the transmission of life, so sacramental, as is the case of the unions between persons of the same sex. The presence in such relationships of positive elements, which are in themselves to be valued and appreciated, so even if it's a good relationship and loving, blah, 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 cannot justify these relationships and render them legitimate objects of an ecclesial blessing. Since the positive elements exist within the context of a union, not ordered, to the creator's plan. Furthermore, since blessings on persons are in relationship with the sacraments, the blessing of homosexual unions cannot be considered licit. This is because they would constitute a certain imitation or analog of the nuptial blessing. There are absolutely no grounds for considering homosexual unions to be in any way similar or even remotely analogous to God's plan for marriage and family. In other words, it's a cheap imitation, and they actually cite Francis, Apostolic Exhortation, Amoris Laetitia, uh, page 251. So those were Francis's own words in 2016. So. Yep. I don't know if you've skimmed through that with Dan Hitchens now, but basically he points at that response in 2021, and he says, okay, the thing is, Fiducia Supplicans, Francis's newest declaration, even cites the 2021 statement in just referring to it of saying that this is what the church has taught on this kind of thing. It says that the church cannot do these licit blessings. He cites that part. And then a few thousand words later, this new document says, within the horizon outlined here appears the possibility of blessings for couples in irregular situations and for couples of the same sex, which now note even the language is saying couples, they are making it analogous now. But Hitchens points out that you search the text for where it explains why the previous document was wrong. You don't find anything. And he calls it, it, it's what you've entered into is a black hole with no actual logical sense. It's just basically popped up (laughs) 
and is sucking in logic, sucking in that, which is good. If, if you try to be careful with the document, even with the spirit of generosity, and again, Hitchens is a Roman Catholic here, and he's written on many of the Romanist activities over the years. And he says, well, what's going on is apparently everyone has previously had an inadequate understanding of blessings, being a little bit tongue-in-cheek there he is. The document goes through a bunch of different, like he says, 2,800 words of reflections upon blessings and like what type of blessings there are, why certain blessings happen, blah, 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 all of which he, he concludes, this has nothing to do with the actual question. Why is it contradicting the previous statement? What has changed? He says that there is no actual point to bringing up all of these blessings. It's kind of a, what's the word, smoke and mirrors. Yeah. So what has suddenly happened here? If the document was saying that before, those seeking a blessing should not be required to have prior moral perfection. In other words, the document says that some are apparently saying that you have to be morally perfect or sinless to receive a blessing. Hitchens says, well, uh, no one's actually said that. (laughs) No one has ever said that you have to be morally perfect to be blessed. But even that has no point to this whole thing. By the end of this, he says himself, there are now two contradictory papal teachings. It's clearly logically impossible to deny that popes, when not speaking ex cathedra, can sometimes err. And of course, this was already common knowledge. He does some uh, historical precedent. He admits a pope can err. Mm-hmm. And then he, he, he cites a statement from John Henry Newman, 19th, early 20th century Anglican turned papist, who basically says, now, here's what you do with this. When you have a bad pope, it's something terrible, kind of like being in a train crash. But just because you've gone and been on a train crash or that a train crashes every once in a while, it doesn't negate the other 300, 400, etc. times that riding on the train has been fine. On occasion, likewise, said Newman, you have several hundred popes, he says, throughout history. You're on occasion going to have one or two wicked servants. So in, in quoting Newman, he implicitly uh, refers to Frankie as a uh, as a wicked servant. And then he concludes saying, my astronomical analogy with the black hole should be similarly extended. A black hole is still a star, just as Pope Francis is still the vicar of Christ, even if it appears to have collapsed in on itself. So he says he was still a star, and yet he's a black hole now, implying again a wicked servant. Such a spectacle is mesmerizing, mysterious, and frightening, but it does not mean that we should give up on the papacy in general, let alone the saints, the scriptures, the traditional doctrine of the church. These remain... He doesn't say scriptures, he says sacraments. Oh, sorry, did I say say scriptures? You you did say scriptures, but no, it says sacraments. That's funny, because that, that was a reflex. Because I was going to say right after, note how he doesn't talk about the Bible. He says, let alone the saints, the, sorry, sacraments, the traditional doctrine of the church, these remain the stars to steer by. He doesn't mention the Bible on that. And there's your issue. Yeah. I have to say, that is just an amazing paragraph, mm-hmm. just to listen to it. It's like... That is a lot of cope. It, so this, but that's exactly it, right? So I had a, I sent you a text before, right? A couple of days ago about my, my yeah. father-in-law is um, a uh, deacon in the Roman Catholic Church, which, All right. you know, deacons in, in that group, they're more like junior priests. It's basically a priest. Right. Like, yeah. Priests that can't 
formally do the sacraments of like a certain sacraments or like that. They can dispense them, but they can't do the, you know, consecration part. Well, this is exactly it where, you know, in being asked about the transgender things um, and the homosexual things like this, the blessing, my, my father-in-law, who's always been very, you know, anti, like very strongly anti-trans, anti-homosexual marriage, all that stuff. He's a very, uh, you know, you could say conservative Romanist. He basically was just saying about the transgender stuff. Well, you know, it's a kind of a weird thing, but I mean, I, I think it's being blown out of proportion by the media. He tries to, on one end to kind of make light of it. Um, and his traditional move has been, well, the Pope's the Pope. But he's starting to get, you know, concerned that, yeah, there is going to be a split in the Romanist communion, like with Germany. Um, that's currently mm -hmm. happening. You know, another aspect of this too, I forgot about this before we had our last discussion, but it was like over a month ago, I had seen an article or something somewhere that was talking about Francis was that had actually made some arrangements for his death <laughs> and his funeral and things of that sort. And I do wonder if part of what is motivating all of this is Francis in his advanced age and he has had some health scares mm. and stuff. He realizes his time is short, so if he wants to do things, now's the time. So he's maybe where he has previously shown some restraint in the past. It's coming off He now. is one of, I think, the older popes now. So I think he's like about 87. Yeah, he's been getting sick. It's hard to say. I think we mentioned on the previous papacy episodes that uh, last time on the Pope, I mentioned that the Synod on Synodicalism, that it was paving a way for to appeal to, oh, the Holy Spirit's doing this in the popular level of the church amongst the laity. We have to listen to that. So if the people are you know, desiring same-sex marriages and transgender and so on, who are we to quench the Holy Spirit, right? I had posited, I think, before that with this, it was setting up where you're going to be able to allow or change almost anything and then just appeal to that. And I think that Francis is setting up all the precedent to now make further changes for the with the next guy. That way, the next guy can point to the now historical documents and say, a pope, you know, decreed this or a pope had said this. Uh, this is now church dogma. You know, things change. And that way, then also the next pope or a later pope can also then point the finger at Francis if things go bad, too. Well, this also means the net, the election of the next pope, I'm sure, is going to be pretty brutal. Oh, yeah. The bloodbath. It's going to be very contentious. Something out of that's come out of this that I wanted to discuss briefly. Well, <laughs> come out. That's not a pun, but it kind of is. <laughs> so there's been all kinds of different reactions to this latest move by Francis uh -huh. and this decision to bless these same-sex unions. Like I mentioned before, there's been conservative responses that said, well, it's still not marriage, so we're still okay. One thing about that, uh, that Hitchens article is, uh, I mean, at least he's being more honest mm -hmm. about it, which here's an editor of a very prominent Catholic publication who is openly saying that the Pope is in error, yeah. basically, which, which, what do you call a Catholic that disagrees with the Pope's <laughs> a, Protestant. Know, a Protestant, <laughs> so... And, and yeah, then at the end, he just kind of pulls though. Yeah. But anyway, so one reaction that was really interesting was uh, from Father James Martin, mm -hmm. SJ, a.k.a. Society of Jesus, the Jesuits, 
the same order of which Francis is a part. And I know we talked about this a little bit before. The Jesuits, they are a notoriously uh, liberal and... Socialist. <laughs> yeah. Um, all the all the things. And, and Francis is a reflection of that. But so James Martin mm-hmm. has been a, a particular agitator in the United States. And yeah, I believe he's in New York. That would... Uh, Makes sense. If yeah, at least this thing he's doing here is in New York. So James Martin is a priest, and he is also the editor of a publication called Outreach, which uh, bills itself as an LGBTQ Catholic resource. And so basically, their whole agenda and James Martin's whole agenda is to sort of agitate in the direction of greater acceptance in the Catholic Church for LGBTQ stuff and so when francis issued this new declaration uh, martin was very excited he welcomed it with open arms in fact i should have had this up i'm gonna actually pull up his tweets about this and read them because that probably do better than anything but i gotta go back a few days so heidi will get to edit a bit here sorry Heidi. here we go james martin sj S gay. That's going to have to be edited out too. But... <laughs> or maybe not. I don't know. Uh, okay. James Martin. This is December 18th. The Vatican's new declaration, Fiducia Supplicans, is a major step forward in the church's ministry to LGBTQ people and recognizes the deep desire in many Catholic <laughs> same sex couples because, you know, that's a category that exists in his world despite what you said earlier, for God's presence in their loving relationships. It is also a marked shift from the conclusion God does not and cannot bless sin from just two years ago, so acknowledging the reversal of the 21 position. The declaration opens the door to non-liturgical blessings for same-sex couples, something that had been previously off-limits for bishops, priests, and deacons. Along with many priests, I will now be delighted to bless my friends in same-sex unions. <laughs> there was another one, too. He followed up later with this. He said, Vatican Declaration on Same-Sex Blessings. Be wary of the, quote, nothing has changed, end quote, response to today's news. It's a significant change. In short, yesterday as a priest, <laughs> I was forbidden to bless same-sex couples at all. Today, with some limitations, I can, so... You have James Martin, one of the lead agitators for LGBT issues in the Roman Catholic Church, and he is very happy, very pleased, very (laughs) excited about this news. That tells you something. Read that last thing from him again. Read that last part. Be careful. Read the Vatican Declaration on Same-Sex Blessings. Be wary of the nothing-has-changed response to today's news. It's a significant change. In short, yesterday as a priest... I was forbidden to bless same-sex couples at all. Today, with some limitations, I can. So, the very next day, the picture appeared. You know, it's on the outreach site, and one of the participants in it wrote an article. This was picked up by the New York Times and others. Uh, But you have have Jason and Damien Steedle Jack, and ostensibly, and this was the terms they used to describe it, a a gay married Catholic couple. And there's a picture of them stand, you know, holding hands, 
standing in front of James Martin and he's got his hand up and he's doing the the priestly blessing thing and I do just have to say the optics of this or something because here you know we're being told well this isn't marriage it's not marriage but it's like you get two guys standing in front of a priest and he's doing priest things you kind of kind of it's really hard to to deny what your eyes see there yeah that caption again from outreach that uh Offering a Vatican-sanctioned blessing, as they call them, to a gay Catholic couple. Yeah, or the one, the article by Jason, one of the guys in this couple, he said, as a married gay Catholic, <laughs> which again, like, that exists, that's a thing now, just blessed by a Catholic priest, again, <laughs> James Martin, I welcome the church's openness. I just sent you a link over to uh, PillarCatholic.com that you're going to like. This article is called Fiducious Supplicants, Who is Saying What? Reactions Emerging from Around the World. These are a catalog of quotations from uh, throughout the world by country going down to uh, the United States. So just remember what James Martin said. Now, here is Bishop Andrew Cousins, an 800-word document, December 18th, saying that Fiducious Supplicants was clear that its provisions do not represent, quote, in any way a change in the church's teaching about marriage. Unquote. Quote, although it is impossible for us to bless a same-sex union, since any sexual union outside of the marriage of one man and one woman is contrary to the gospel, we may bless individuals who are not yet living in full accord with the gospel, even those in same-sex union. Unquote. That is Bishop Crookston of Minnesota. Further down, from Bishop Alfred Schlert, or Schlert, <laughs> what a name, December 20th. On the Vatican document, he reaffirmed, quote, that the church does not have the authority nor capability to bestow a liturgical blessing on irregular relationships, including same-sex relationships, unquote. You may go further down. Bishop Edward Scharfenberger, another great name, quote, the document does not change the teaching of the Catholic Church on the nature of marriage, unquote. Bishop David Walkowiak of Grand Rapids, Michigan, quote, this declaration reminds us that the Spirit is always drawing us closer to the Lord, unquote. At the U.S. Bishops' Conference in December 18th, he stressed that the Church's teaching on marriage was has not changed. And this declaration affirms that while also making an effort to accompany people through the imparting of pastoral blessings, because each of us needs God's healing love and mercy on our lives, unquote, hasn't changed. <laughs> yeah, that's really interesting, though, because... Uh... The U.S. Bishops' Conference, which has been a body that's kind of been a thorn in Francis's side as he's been making some of these changes and moves. They're saying that the imparting of pastoral blessings, it's because each of us needs God's healing and love and mercy in our lives. So I have to ask myself as I flip back over to this tab where I've got James Martin doing <laughs> the priestly things in front of the gay couple in front of him. Is that what he's doing? Because that sure doesn't seem to be what he's in this for. Go further up on the other tab. Yeah. Alfred Schlert. Pastoral blessings may be imparted on any individual to invoke God's help and mercy in their life, to help them grow in holiness, and to come to a greater understanding of divine truth. Such blessings are offered to the individual and do not validate nor sanctify their union with another person. End quote. And then go back to Martin now. <laughs> and yeah. Schleider. Yeah, and then James Martin is like, yeah, I couldn't bless same-sex couples before and now i can so he's blessing them as a couple and you know given where he's coming from and his whole 
ministry, if you will, being to, you know, legitimize and validate LGBT relationships and persons within the Catholic Church. Clearly, there's some differing intentions and interpretations and applications going on. Well, go now. uh, So back to that document. My father-in-law has said that his parish priest had said that if, if someone, if a homosexual couple comes asking for a blessing, they'll say no. Okay, so go up to Austria. So Austria. Austria, right next to Germany. That's right. <laughs> where a lot of this is coming from. Okay, so asked how priests should respond to a same-sex couple's request for a blessing. Archbishop Franz, because Austrian, so of course Franz, <laughs> Lackner replied, basically, one can no longer say no. And the next quote. Commenting on why the declaration was issued, the president of Austria's bishops' conference said, I believe the church recognizes that a relationship between two of the same sex is not entirely without truth. So again, not really treating this as something rehabilitative. It's not entirely without truth. There is love, there is loyalty, there is also hardship shared and lived in faithfulness. This should also be recognized. So again, recognizing the relationship, recognizing the good in that relationship. Canada. Belgium says something kind of similar to this. Um, uh, We should maybe link this. We'll link this in the show notes, by the way, because there's a there's a lot exactly and there's it's gold belgium says something similar but canada december 19th bishop william mcgratton uh president of the canadian conference of catholic bishops while explicitly affirming the church's traditional understanding of marriage fiducia supplicants allows pastors to bless people who freely request a blessing seeking divine help to live in fidelity to god's will The declaration makes clear that such blessings must be directed to the persons themselves rather than their situation. So you bless the persons and not their their situation, not their sin, not their their lifestyle, whatever. That they must be spontaneously requested and they're not ritual or liturgical actions. Um, What was that picture of James Martin? He was doing a what? (laughs) Well, he had his hand up like he was doing some sort of of sign. Again, you got the two guys. Both of them standing there in front of them, holding hands like... The guiding principle in the declaration is the fact that the very request for a blessing, uh, says McGratton, the blessing represents an openness to God's mercy and can be an occasion for greater... I almost said gator. (laughs) (laughs) Greater trust in God. (laughs) Um... I'm going to move on a little bit. So go down to Germany now. This ought to be good. <laughs> the third paragraph, though, in Germany, uh, on under Germany, if you'll read that for us, uh, the third paragraph. The declaration applies theological categories and terms in a responsible manner. It draws a clear line between unwavering fidelity to the teachings of the church and the pastoral requirements of an ecclesial practice that wants to be close to people. A pastoral scope for action is described here, which illustrates responsible church practice. Now, <laughs> sorry, sorry, pastoral requirements. Oh, un- clear line. Okay, go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> I do just have to say, you know, we've had issues of this sort in the Protestant world in the Presbyterian and Reformed world even. You know, we've had recent things with Revoice and all the things that have come out of that. And there's always this language about being pastoral. 
And it's like, what it, what does it even mean when they use it that way to be pastoral? It's always nebulously defined. It's never really specific, but it's always just like, if you want to say sin is sin, well, you just need to be more That's pastoral. Right. Do me a favor. Okay. You just a pastoral. Yeah. And you also read from the Germany uh, statement. It draws a clear line, right? Between unwavering fidelity of the church. And the pastoral requirements go down to uh, Malawi. <laughs> so we're going we're going over to Africa here. The Episcopal Conference of Malawi issued a December nineteenth clarification. Clarification in scare quotes. <laughs> the declaration is not about the blessing of same-sex unions and sacramental endorsement of the same as married couples. It's stressed. Well, it seems many are disagreeing with at least half of that statement. <laughs> It underlined that to avoid creating confusion among the faithful, we direct that for pastoral reasons, <laughs> blessings of any kind for same-sex unions of any kind are not permitted in Malawi. To avoid creating confusion, because, you know, it was clear, it was clear, we direct that for pastoral reasons, they will not be doing same-sex blessings. <laughs> so... I think they probably have a better grip on what is pastoral than uh, Germany do. does, or whoever I just read before. <laughs> but uh, boy, this is a mess. This is amazing. I have two more great ones here. Oh, actually, sorry, real fast. Go up to Kenya. I just read this. I this is new. They've updated this since I read it last. Yeah. Oh, so this is a this is I a living so. document then. Have to have to check back every few days to get the so latest. So Kenya says the aspects of the declaration were, quote, causing anxiety and even confusion among the Christians and in general, the people of God, unquote. This is as uh, we were talking before of like, oh, it's clear. Oh, now it's not clear. This was uh, Germany's statement, the unwavering. It draws a clear line between unwavering fidelity uh, to the teachings of the church and pastoral requirements, even though it's causing anxiety and people are confused. If you can then go to Ivory Coast, the Ivory Coast, so the second paragraph, quote, I think it's necessary to make it clear that this text is a statement that represents the official church's first position on a new situation, unquote. Aside from the one that was put out two years ago. Oh, but I'll, I, I do just also note that the man being quoted here has the SJ behind his name. So he's a Jesuit, just so we know what we're dealing but, with but here. But he continues in the, the, the second paragraph here, or third paragraph on this. Quote, okay, this is quotes. It is not, therefore, a definitive opinion on the matter. It can be treated as a prudential judgment, which simply implies taking note of it, even if we don't necessarily agree with the details expressed, end quote. Go to Kazakhstan now. And Andrew, if you will read Kazakhstan here. <laughs> a December 19th statement signed by Archbishop Tomasz Peta and Bishop Athanasius Schneider respectively the head and auxiliary of the Archdiocese of St. Mary in Astana, Kazakhstan, argued that the next endorsed or the text endorsed practices that contradicted divine revelation and the uninterrupted bimillennial doctrine and practice of the Catholic Church. So so it seems like they're doing schism in Kazakhstan. <laughs> but reading on, as successors of the apostles 
and faithful to our solemn oath on the occasion of our Episcopal consecration to preserve the deposit of faith and purity and integrity according to the tradition always and everywhere observed in the church since the time of the apostles. We exhort and prohibit priests and the faithful of the Archdiocese of St. Mary in Astana from accepting or performing any form of blessing whatsoever of couples in an irregular situation and same-sex couples, they said. It goes without saying that every sincerely repentant sinner with the firm intention to no longer sin and to put an end to his public sinful situation, such as e.g. cohabitation outside of a canonically valid marriage, union between people of the same sex, can receive a blessing. So repentance is key to receiving that blessing in the view of the Archdiocese of St. Mary in Astana, Kazakhstan. You, you can keep going with these. Nigeria says there's confusion because of this document and so on. Uh, you, you can keep going and reading, comparing these. All right, now the final one that I'll read here. We go down to the Vatican. What is the Vatican saying? <sighs> December 18th, editorial published by Vatican News, Andrea Tornielli reflected on the merciful quality of the shepherd's heart. Quote, the origin of the declaration is evangelical, end quote. Remember what, what Kazakhstan just said, talking about this declaration as, a, as the apostolic deposit. The origin of the declaration is evangelical, wrote the Dicastery for Communications editorial director. On almost every page of the gospel, Jesus breaks traditions and religious prescriptions, respectability, and social conventions. He performs actions that scandalize the self-righteous, the so-called pure, those who shield themselves with norms and rules to distance, reject, and close doors, end quote. What have we been reading that those who are trying to excuse it are saying, oh, this is in clear line with the church has always taught. This is nothing new, blah, 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 blah. Others saying that, oh, this, this is now official teaching. And you have uh, then others who are worried about it saying, oh, this is breaking with tradition. This is a break with the doctrine. And you have those uh, like James Martin and the liberal side saying, this is a new thing. It is a new thing itself. And now you have the Vatican press itself saying that this is a breaking with tradition. This is, this is a breakdown of religious prescriptions and it's a move in a different direction. It's official teaching. <laughs> Chaos reigns in the Roman Catholic Church in light of Francis's latest decision. Just a few passing remarks I would like to add to all of this. I've been thinking about, you know, this document, this release from Francis and all the things that have come out of it. And it kind of felt to me like we had seen this all before. And I started thinking this seems a lot like the situation, at least like politically and nationally, that we were dealing with with civil unions on around 2010, pre-Obergefell where it seemed like, you know, civil unions were often being put forth and even many Christians jumped on board and wanted to endorse civil unions as sort of a way to appease the LGBT or whatever movement, but without officially endorsing same-sex marriage. And so we must ask ourselves now, many years removed from that, how did that actually work? Did it uh, in any way slow down or hinder or stop 
same-sex marriage. Well, you obviously know that, no, it didn't. A few years later, we had Supreme Court rulings. We had Obergefell. Uh, Same-sex marriage became the law of the land in all 50 states. You know, I look at this and I see, it seems like there is still some attempt being made here by Francis and by others to try to say that this isn't really doing the thing. As Caleb mentioned before, like, at least implied, I guess, maybe he could correct me if I'm off base on this, but inevitably the thing is going to get done. We don't know when, it may take a while yet, but it seems almost inevitable now that the Roman Catholic Church is going to completely collapse and capitulate on the same-sex marriage issue. Because you have to. Once you open that door, there's no going back. And this is exactly what this entire movement, you know, the gay rights movement and all the things that have come out of it, this is what they're here for. This is something uh, they live to do. In fact, I'm going to take an opportunity as a quick aside here. I want to plug a book that a fellow presbyter of mine in the Presbytery of the Dakotas wrote, and it's coming out January 11th. I've already read it. It's called Is the Church Pro-Gay? And it's not your typical book on the subject in that it's written by Sean Mathis, like I said, fellow pastor in the Presbytery of the Dakotas. But he actually goes into a lot of the history of the gay rights movement and basically how they've done what they've done and the sort of tactics they use and stuff to help Christians to be equipped and to understand what's going on in the times we live and why these things are going the way they are and how we can protect ourselves and our churches and maintain sound doctrine in the face of it. I think it's a very important book already uh, for what it has to teach us as Protestants and as Presbyterian and Reformed people. But I think also, as you see even now uh, across the Tiber, they're having all the same problems now, you know, as it has been. So it is again. And so I I think uh, that comes out January 11th. Y'all should get that book and read it because it'll help you to understand what's going on here and in other issues related but also too like i said this just seems like it's a foregone conclusion this is going to happen now what is that going to mean are catholics just going to accept it are they going to say well he's the pope and just hold on or is there going to be the first major schism out of the catholic church since 1517 good question as i was about to pull something else up for reference um in moving forward i was greeted with the uh, a headline from uh, apnews.com quote after approving blessings for same-sex couples pope asks vatican staff to avoid rigid ideologies unquote <laughs> he's just given his christmas address and he's, he's saying, let us remain vigilant against rigid ideological positions that often, under the guise of good intentions, separate us from reality and prevent us from moving forward. We are called instead to set out in journey like the Magi, following the light that always desires to lead us on, at times, along unexplored paths and new roads. It, it does seem what his clear intentions are there. He's hardly being subtle now. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's very postmodern. It's very let's just all hold hands and get along and it's kumbaya. Ignore the eight hundred pound gorilla in the room. Ignore the thing I said two years ago that entirely contradicts this. That that really is it. He, I mean, he still hasn't even addressed that. Um, on the other end, there's you know the papacy so back. There was also just as a brief note. There's also been something of a of a scandal of, of an embezzlement uh, case. That uh, that is occurring right now. 
it's, it's already been called the, the Vatican's trial of the century, uh, with a cardinal prospectively being sent to the prison. This cardinal has had like a, a group of like some 10 people with, uh, the result of embezzling hundreds of millions. That's it to Andrew several, several days ago. It's just a, an amazing case, uh, where it's like, it's super, super medieval. You have like this this cardinal get with a get rich thing that's been uncovered. You have a live-in mistress. It's like, yeah, the papacy is just is just so back. Yeah, so back. We are really well again as it was before. So it is again. Uh, it's almost like Satan is at work. Yeah, it's almost like Satan is at work. But we're gonna save that for another episode that is different from this one. That's right. We will talk about Satan another time. Our short addendum to the papacy is so back has gone for nearly an hour. And we'll have another addendum next week, I'm sure. I mean, we might. <laughs> At this, point. this may be like Satanism, which we were trying mm. to get back to, that we're just going <laughs> to keep coming back to this one for a while. Yeah, we were uh, trying to get back to Satanism. You know, already... Two weeks ago, we did something on this <laughs> subject, and then within two weeks, like, everything changed, so... Or at least everything got more of what we said. We were already talking about and planning on Satanism, and, uh... Yeah. Uh, with all the events in, uh... And as you know, Andrew's in over in South Dakota, and I'm in Iowa, so it's yeah. kind of, you know, proximity to what was occurring at the Des Moines Capitol. Yeah, we've been busy with all this other stuff, and this is, like, totally in our wheelhouse of things to talk about, and it's like we haven't even got to it yet, because... Right, because the Pope. Because the Pope is ruining it. Thanks, Frank. The Pope is ruining Satanism for us. <laughs> so, anyway... Uh, <laughs> Any final well. thoughts on the papacy being so back? You know, I hope that the papacy being so back is going to finally start pushing the papacy towards being so over because this has really gone on long enough and it just keeps getting worse and more embarrassing. Yeah, I mean, it it could very well pave a way for a union of a lot of other liberal groups. Yeah, maybe you have some kind of... I don't know, split like you've seen across so much of Protestantism where you have a liberal mainline and, yeah, you know, conservative holdout groups. <laughs> Hard to tell. We'll see. It could be brought up that there are something of, you could say, micro-denominations yeah. within Rome itself. Well, even just reading all those things from the different countries, you can tell, like, yeah. clearly... Uh, you know, in the different countries, and even within countries, because, you know, you've got the American bishops and then you got guys like James Barton, like... Mm -hmm. They're definitely not on the same page. Um, yeah. They're definitely not pulling in the same direction. And we saw exactly what happened with the uh, Church of England, right? With the, the Anglicans having a rupture, largely led by the African congregations mm -hmm. for yeah. this very same reason, through explicit gay marriage. But uh, anyways, yeah, again, um, if you're listening in, you, you heard us uh, cite through these, these sources, these pages. Go read the article from Dan Hitchens. Again, that is The Pope in the Black Hole. Uh, Andrew, I think, is going to have that linked, as well as the article from PillarCatholic.com. Fiducia supplicants, who's saying what? Go and read them for yourself. Keep up with news on, on the papacy and uh, see what happens next. It's, uh, you know, these, these things, we're not under them at all in the slightest, but these things do affect the overall perceptions and interactions with Christianity in America. You know, it's a weird thing. Well, and I think also, too, that 
This can pose opportunities for us. Mm-hmm. You know, your your friend who became a trad calf last week might be having some second thoughts now. Or, you know, mm-hmm. there's other people now that are in Rome that are suddenly going to be starting to ask some questions about their church structure, about the papacy, and things that they weren't before. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, this is an opportunity to bring the truth of the gospel to bear, the truth of God's word concerning the church, concerning sexuality and marriage. Part of uh, being ready to give a reason for the hope that we have is... a. Uh, knowing at least a few things about those we're we're dealing with out there yeah that's one of the things where it's a uh question right now with my wife of uh just constant conversation on how to approach this with my father-in-law you know it's his, exactly a situation where he's ethically and you know opposed to and biblically even uh opposed to transgenderism and and homosexuality and all these things but all he's known his whole life is the papacy and, and this is a uh, you know, he's very confused right now mm-hmm. and concerned. Yeah. You know, I would love to see the uh, magisterium self-destruct. Yeah. But we'll see. Uh, anyway, so we thank you for joining us. I guess this will be part three of our series on the papacy. Possibly part four. May may or may not be the last. <laughs> um, but we thank you for joining us. You got any questions, comments, complaints? All the usual ways, OFADpodcast at gmail.com, social media at OFADpodcast. Appreciate your support, um, especially those of you who support us financially. You know, We thank you for helping us and for helping the show, and we'll keep trying to make it uh, worth your while here. Yep. Yep. <laughs> yep. 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 Go yep. Heidi. Thank you for listening to this episode. For the latest news and updates, visit our substack at onceforalldelivered.com, where you can also support our work with a paid subscription. You can also follow us on social media at OFAD Podcast. If you like what you have heard, leave a five-star review where you get your podcasts and spread the word about the show. Once For All Delivered is hosted by Andrew Smith and Caleb Castro and produced by Andrew and Heidi Smith. A special thank you to our founding members, Eric and Kathy Hepker. We hope you will join us again next time on Once for All Delivered.